Welcome to the Hypnosis NGH podcast. This podcast series offers a fun and serious look at hypnosis and offers various ideas, discuss case studies, along with NGH educational opportunities. This is Jeremy Bashan with the NGH headquarters, and uh, we are doing our NGH podcast. Today's special guest is Mike Hathaway. Welcome, Mike. Thank you. It's nice to be here, Jeremy. So, Mike, we we have you. Uh, you're located in Madison, New Hampshire. I am. I'm up. I call it up in the woods. We're very fortunate. We have a little less than 160 acres of trails. And we have uh, with land with trails on it. We have uh, at the center, which is just down the street from where I'm talking from now, we have a peace garden, we have a labyrinth. So a lot of this is designed. In fact, we share the name with hypnosis now with reflection because nature has become so important to people, as you know, because you have a place in nature. It's, uh, it's so important to be able to get there and communicate with nature and whatever else you communicate with. Oh, absolutely. And we, we uh, lovingly call that uh, North Country, as we call it here. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and it's so beautiful up there. I know uh, there's, there's many summers that, uh, you know, I, my friends and I camp up in, in the North Country and just be- beautiful area. Um, and, uh, you know, so that, that's got to really feed the, the energy of what you do. Oh, it's, it's incredible. It's just to be out there and missing it where I had hip surgery recently. I couldn't get out of the land in the last, we have a lupin garden up on top. And while we're, we're uh, taping this, uh, the lupin had been in full bloom. And it's just because the mountains, the white mountains, Mount Chicago are in the background. It's just gorgeous. So I've walked over that a few times. Oh, nice, nice. So, Mike, how, how did you get how did you get started in the in the profession of hypnosis? Well, that's an interesting question. Uh, my major profession was music, and I was a band director for thirty years up here. And uh, I got interested in the kind of the paranormal back in the uh, early eighties and before that. And so, I was interested in collecting ghost stories and all. I did do a lot of ghost, but I was interested in that. And I got hired to play piano around 1980 or so for a stage hypnotist. And that was the first time I'd ever been exposed to it. And I'm sitting there talking with this guy before the show starts. And it's a gentleman in that room. And he's telling me the story of how he started it. All of a sudden, the room started to spin. And I said, what is going on? I got to figure this out. I pulled myself right out of it, which is as close as being hypnotized by anybody I've ever been. And it turns out that we had a psychologist at school department named Don Asillo. Now, for those that are in the New England area, they may be familiar with that name with the Boston Red Sox for a while. Uh, he used to be the announcer for us now on the West Coast. Well, anyways, Don Sr. lived in Madison, where we live, and his son, Don Jr., was in my, white, uh, my daughter's school in class. So Don loaned me his books on hypnosis. He used to come hang out in the music department because we were kind of wacky down there anyway. So I got started that way. I just, I caught the bug. So like I could say, I read every book on it I could find. And then it became the opportunity. I got hit by a car in uh, 1989 going to summer school down at UNH. 
And so I became aware of the fact that I really could not, my leg wasn't going to allow me to stand and teach the way I do things being active. And guess what? I, I, an advertisement came in about that time from Dick Hart about uh, what he was doing and also about the Gill course in the certification. And so I talked to my wife and I said, I want to do that. So we signed up and joined uh, the, one of the first classes actually in the Train the Trainer program. I think it was like the number two. And, and at that time, there were two different classes, advanced and regular. So I was, I think, about the second one in the advanced, and that was uh, really a fascinating study. And that's how I got started. And then during the process of, the, I used to practice and play. You know, we used to do a lot more things. We could hypnotize in the back of the bus in those days. You wouldn't dare do it now, but it was a lot of fun. And the kids, uh, we had a good time with that. And so I developed into that. And around the latter part of the uh, 80s began to work with some clients at asked and so forth. And then after I, um, you know, went on from there to uh, just after I got hit and made the decision to uh, get out of education in 94. And the magic journey since then has been amazing. So you've been a, a full-time uh, practicing hypnotist since since the mid-90s, so. Uh, yes, uh, 94, I got Now, you got to realize that I'm up in the woods in New Hampshire, so our client base is not as strong to say as the city hypnotist, but with a connection and, again, in my belief system, you know, people find their way here. It's amazing. I get people that come from all over New England or different places. And I was uh, fortunate at the time that I finished up. They used to have uh, the uh, AIH, the American Institute of Hypnosis out in California. If you remember, they used to have a table at the convention. And so I got signed up for one of the last courses offered in uh, an independent doctoral program with them. And that's where I got immersed in NLP. And I'll tell you, that taught myself about myself, first of all, because I always consider myself a fake. I don't process the way most people do. And so consequently, I could never learn exactly the way other people did. Uh, out of five senses, seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, and smelling, I am senseless in my mind recall in four and a half. I'm non-visual. So I have no pictures in my mind. So most people give, you know, visual uh, inductions and so forth. It loses me right off the bat because I don't do that. But sure. I don't hear in my head. And I'm a musician. So how the Sam Hill could other people play by ear because I don't do that. So I learned that that faking that I was doing all along to get to what I was, I didn't need to worry about it anymore. I just did what I did and trusted that it would be right. So just it's been fascinating <laughs> the journey, which brings me to the passion of how everybody else thinks. Because if I know how they think, then I can communicate with them the way they think, not necessarily the way I think. Sure, sure. It's so important in building up a program for success for a client. It is, it is. So tell us a little bit more about um, what what techniques you you uh, employ while, while you're doing uh, your hypnosis sessions. Well, I... Through the neurolinguistics, I have learned to collect information. And my first thing that I want to know, I usually spend an hour and a half. And they come from a distance, so they aren't necessarily repeats. In other words, 
you know, they might drive 40 miles so they don't want to come back in. So the first thing is I want to know what they do well. Because if I get them talking about something they like, now I'm going to watch. Are they visual? So I'll ask them a visual question. Can you imagine being someplace or whatever? And I watch their eyes. If their eyes go up, then I know that they're looking at a scene. So if their eyes drop down, I know they're feeling it. And if their eyes go back and forth to their ears, they're actually tuning in listening. Okay. So I pick up all of this information, and then I will be able to talk back to them. Say, somebody's got a favorite smell. Are you going to favorite smell? Um, I, I not that comes to mind. No, no. I'm okay. more. I, I would say I'm more of a visual. Yeah, you are very visual, and you see well, and so you put things together. Well, anyway, somebody with a favorite smell. Lots of times, people that are under stress, and most people that come to a hypnotist are under stress for one reason or another, whether it's smoking or weight or whatever it is, stress is kind of the root cause. And so you talk with them and you realize they're shallow breathers. They don't take air really into their lungs, and so their body gets tense. When their body gets tense, then they their habit that's destructive or not good for them kicks in saying, you need that here, tense on that. That's good for you right now. So we want to build a model of what works for them, what they like. If a favorite smell, and I stop for a minute and I say, well, hold on. Take a nice deep breath of that smell. Can you imagine it? Breathe down from the sky and up from the ground and let it meet in your heart. Got anything you're grateful for? Gratitude fits in. So I'm into this, in other words, heart-based. and. The heart math of leap is if your heart puts out 60 more times electromagnetic energy in your brain. And the law of attraction fits into this. In other words, it's the energy you send out that gets back to you what you're thinking. So if you've got a fear, and that's what's happened after this whole COVID thing is half the world is living, they're changing because everybody's changed. The rooting in their brain is different than it was. Psychologists have come to this conclusion. So consequently, people aren't thinking the same. So when they don't think the same, there are people that are listening to the hat saying, well, you know, I really want to do something that's meaningful. And so they'll change their profession and they'll look for something that's good. So I see a lot of people looking for that. In fact, the workshop I'm doing is basically on connecting with the soul purpose, not only for the hypnotists coming to it, but also, and this is at the convention, but also how they can help their clients make changes if they, you know, so you look at the sense of putting all of these different concepts together, believing in it, having some sort of a belief system that guides you to it, the purpose and how the reality of it fits in. So at that point, if I haven't lost you, lost myself in talk sometimes, then it becomes a sense of how it all gathers that information. So I become a clue collector. Now, well, that's, that's neat. So you each individual person, uh, you have a system. However, it changes per. It's, it's absolutely. In other words, it's the, I call it mental DNA. In other words, the way you think, there's no one on earth that thinks exactly like you. If they had a way of checking that out. And so, how do people teach? Usually, the way they know things, right. which may or may not work for the next, you know, you're a coach. I mean, it's like working, each kid has got different talents, right? So I'll bet you employ a lot of this when you're when you're coaching. You still coaching? 
I, I recently retired from coaching wrestling, but um, I, I totally get what you're saying. I, I look for, for the strengths that these uh, young wrestlers have. And yeah. then I really take those strengths and I'm, I, I, I raise Elevate them, them up yeah. to the whole thing. Sure. So I'm looking for that model of success. Now, see, in what I call in neurolinguistics, I call it mind model building. In other words, if I can find and create within how they think through the five senses what works for them here, then I have a feeling it's probably going to help work for them over here in what they want to change. Sure. Now, we want to define what isn't working. And so we want to get a model of it. Say, if you are working with, and again, we don't treat diagnose a cure, but say somebody had a health thing, they were working with a doctor, get them to define in their mind what health is, a positive memory. Get them to define in their mind what the situation is that they're working with. And if, they, if colors are important to them, then we look at a color. And in neurolinguistics, there's something called the swoosh band. And I really ever heard of it, Rob, but you get a positive color and a negative color. And you take the negative color and visualize if you're a visual person in your mind. And then you put the little positive in and then you swoosh that through. And the idea is you keep doing that until the other one doesn't come back. Now, for me, when I was told I was going to lose my knee and I had to add 50 pounds, <laughs> excuse me, we're going, I don't visualize, I don't do that. So I had to imagine the feeling of the food that I liked that was bad for me like chips and nuts that I'd come home from school and eat a bunch of, I began to imagine the salt on the chips like sand. Now, you know, that's fun putting a sandy in your mouth. If you know <laughs> not, no, I just watched you hypnotize yourself when, you're, when your facial expression changed like that. So I began to imagine that. So here's this wonderful chip that's coming in my mouth. Ah, and I practice this. The whole key is intention and not just one time. As people think, as if this does, it's the willingness to every day set your attention. And so I did that, and it changed my whole taste. Now, if I read something with salt of over 5%, it makes my skin burn. And this is almost 30 years later. It's so programmed right in there. It's the reframe, we call it, or the concept, what your brain's a computer. It runs a program that's in there, so in order to reframe it, change it. And now with the uh, neuroplasticity being a big term, it's really helped us because it's the sense of what they would do with stroke victims to help them reprogram their mind to, to, to do it in a different route. But that's what we do, is we change the route, the reframe of thinking in the mind. And that's the concept of three weeks of sad habit, three weeks of break habit, depending on the person's ability to, we use the word hallucinate, to imagine. In other words, there are people that go right out like a light, people that never go out like a light. But you can still make the changes with the mind and the relaxation. Right, right. And I've, I've uh, yeah, I've noticed that over the years that, you know, the 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 depth level, it really doesn't matter. Doesn't change. matter. I don't, I don't test right. them. I don't need to because I'm testing them all the time by asking things they respond to. Right. And I'm looking at, and then I'll set them up. And I'll say, well, you won't want this. You will want to do this. And of course they want to, and they'll argue with you. Know, in other words, you're playing this, this thing of convincing themselves. They're convincing themselves. Right. Sure. Well, that sounds like a, a, a successful um, 
in you know really integrative way on how how you do your sessions. Uh, now, Mike, you you've written books uh, over the past few years. I on... have, uh, yeah, fifteen titles out, believe it or not. But there's a couple of books through the Everything series that they republished. I think four or five times. One on uh, fortunately, I. Uh, did a book on my parents first. They owned the last old-fashioned telephone company over at Maine. And so it's interesting being at the end of an invention rather than the beginning of it. But it was all communication, which is what we're doing now and, and people-based. So uh, and then I got a, while I was, uh, you know, a member of the Guild early on in the 2000, I got a note uh, from an email saying, would you be interested in writing a book on hypnosis? Well, that's a scam, isn't it? You know, and I said back, said, sure, I would love to do that. And I've done a book. Well, they said, good. If you can, uh, if, uh, here's an example of what it is. If you'll update this outline and send it in. So I had a couple of days and I sent that off. And son of a gun, I accepted to write it and see everything serious. And I think what happened, somebody bailed on it. But anyways, uh, I had three months to write the book. Now that's, when you got to write, and then you sit there and you go, oh, how do I, you know? And my wife said, let's go for a walk up in nature. And we did, and all of a sudden it changed. So we set up, and my wife is an incredible editor. In fact, she's got, uh, I've got, I got a book to do on psychics that because of her editing ability, not my writing ability. And so uh, she set it up for me, and uh, I would, uh, I, I wrote out a schedule. I had to do a thousand words a day for three months and I wow. would bank some so that if I got ahead, you know, but that way I knew where I was. And because of the way I focus, the flooding technique was this. I set myself up and at that time I really hadn't worked with a computer or type much. So we got a computer and I started in hundred and packet and I put the scanner on. For me, my best hypnosis is weather. The minute a weather report comes on, I go right out the window. I haven't, uh, I can't, I don't know how many weather reports a day I have to listen to. So I put the weather channel on television. I put the scanner on running over in the background. I put on headphones with instrumental rock music playing in the background. My wife is typing over to Connor. And that flooding technique needs, there was so much coming in that all of a sudden it all disappeared. So that's the way I did my thousand words a day for three months. We hit our deadline. No kidding. Interestingly enough, I had two books going at once afterwards, one on psychics, one on past lives that were um, through um, the series, the Idiot's Guide and uh, everything series. And so I had to meet all these different deadlines and average up 2,000 words a day. <laughs> it was an adventure. So you go in that zone while you're doing it, but that's what you do. Yep, yep. Wow, so 15, 15 books, did you say? Well, 15 titles, we'll put it that yeah. way. Uh, half of them we've done are self-published ourselves. Oh, we just did a republishing event, uh, but there's an outfit that really is interested in promoting this to a bigger level. And if you play in those big levels, you're going to have the docs line dried up. So we had to hire uh, another outfit to present it in the way that was acceptable. Then we did a voice, uh, like a, a commercial, you know, the, the, the thing they do, a video voice thing, a minute and a half long advertising, which was fascinating to watch that come together. And this one is on a friend of mine that's English that 
I did uh, way back playing with good friends. She, great subject. She just lived in a trance. And so she was telling me about a dream she had her whole life. And so I said, well, I'll give it time and put you in a dream. So I did. She's English. Got her inside of the house. It's, and it was empty except for an old-fashioned rocking gliding horse and, and the dog. Well, that fascinated me. So I figured she had some near-death experience early, early. I hypnotized her, took her back and let. She started talking about this little girl that came to visit her when she was six months old and named Thurlden. And she called her mother up in England because she couldn't remember it. And her mother said, oh, you used to talk about her all the time. So we took this story, and it sounds all imagined. We took this story of the little girl, brought it out to her, through psychic dowsing or whatever, little girl in France that was smuggled out of France in the 1815s when the French Revolution brought to Leeds, England, with the idea of, uh, you know, her, who was claiming to be her father was fairly up in the Navy. Anyways, there was a plot to take the money from this guy by a, anyways, a stepson. And the goal was to drive the mother of the little girl crazy, get her out of the picture, and then they would get the money. Well, the little girl and her nanny tried to escape, and the nanny got thrown, hit her head, and died. The night that she found out, we found out she died through hypnosis, my friend woke her husband up singing a song in French. She doesn't speak French. So <laughs> the long story shot of this whole thing is eventually I came to the conclusion that my friend was the mother of the little ghost girl in past life. And so, and, and every time she went to read the book, she got to the point where the bad guys came in when they drove mother insane. She gets confused and can't read it anymore. But after this is all over, she went back to England to research because she'd drawn maps of uh, Leeds in that time. And they called up the archives and they said, lady, there's no information of this out of town. They took her number and called her back an hour and a half later and said, lady, six boxes of material had just been delivered with everything messed about. Now, that's where paranormal meets reality. And it's a great mystery story. So I wrote the book uh, like, a, like a reality television so that the, I took all of a lot of the dialogue. In other words, we took the from 15 sessions so that the reader themselves are immersed in playing the detective as this goes along with the plot. Oh, wow, that's fascinating. Oh, it's a great movie. It may be eventually, but anyways, that, but this is what I love of these type of things that show up and they're really exciting. So now you, you mentioned the um, uh, past lives and, uh, and you're going to be coming up in August, a couple months from now, you'll be at the NGH convention. I'm going to be, and I'm fortunate enough, I think this is the third year in, uh, that I am doing the, Past Life course, which is the one that's after, it's the post-convention course. It is number 211 on Monday, if anybody's interested, is Past Life Regression. And what I'm going to do in this is this. And of course, you've got hypnotists coming to this. And a lot of them know this better than me in different ways. But I present the different views of doing a past life, the old-fashioned way, authoritative way of counting them down. Uh, positive, you know, and all that stuff. A lot of hands-on stuff so that each one of these techniques, we have them practice, try it out, have some fun with it. And then like a past life party. So how do you do group past life hypnosis and so on? But I end up 
the session with what I call conversational past lives, which is the technique that I've been using for several years, which is, and the people, the, the ones that are hard and fast hypnosis that have never done it, it's amazing what you can do in a short amount of time using the techniques we've just been talking about. But again, what's it start with? It starts back with the whole basis, the neurolinguistics of those, how you find out how the client thinks. And then you work. Wow. With it. Yep. And it's, right. it's amazing. I mean, we had a great group last year. We've had great groups both years. So it's been quite fun. And hopefully we'll have a good turnout this year. Oh, I'm sure you will. We always get uh, great reviews here at the NGH from your course. Um, yeah, you have a couple other courses that you're going to be teaching as well at the NGH convention. Can I you got, tell us a little bit more about, about your workshops and seminars? Sure. Well, I got three, believe it or not. Two that, are, that you know, well, I think you know about the third one anyways. But uh, the first one is going to be, boy, you're talking about pressure. Nine o'clock on Friday morning, <laughs> right after the keynote speeches and so forth. It's course, in case anybody wants to jot it down, 11091. And it's called Hypnosis and the Law of Attraction. Now, the whole concept of most people are into the law of attraction, but they may not understand a lot. You know, Napoleon Hill is the one that wrote the book uh, Think and Grow Rich back uh, in 1937, it came out. And he had been challenged by a major, I think it was Andrew Carnegie, a couple of uh, decades before, because he'd asked him the secret of success. He says, if you want to know the secret of success, interview successful people. And it came down to the fact that it's in their mind they're already successful. So we put that concept, and then with the collider over in Switzerland, and they're breaking down an atom into a subatomic parts and they call it God particle and Edgar Casey, I love his expression on this system. Thoughts are either miracles or crimes. And that's exactly what it kind of winds up is what are you thinking? And how are you thinking it? And how you put it together. And there are people that are very, very successful that just seem to win all the time. How is it they do that? It's their mindset. Remember Ramona Garcia, great old friend and hypnotist, and she used to have a whole army of angels. So she had a parking angel. So she would thank that parking angel for, for, and every time usually somebody would pull out, she'd get a place to park. Or the big thing for people that are worried is that the thing is that if you hold it inside of you, it's there. But if you have some sort of belief system which is setting your intention with a lot of attraction, send out a thank you to something that's going to take care of it. Then you're doing something. You are internalizing. So it really comes back to belief-based. And everybody's, I don't care if it's a pink cloud, a you know, fern, God, whatever it is, in my mind, it's an energy that is positive and good. And I do this playing music. I will set my intention that I play with unconditioned love and or with a client. And so I'm setting my intentions before all of this comes out, the right words come out of my mouth, because I don't know what I'm going to say next. And when I'm playing piano, that the feel of it is there with love. So maybe they'll forgive some of my wrong notes. But it's changed my whole technique in the last couple of years, which has been so mind-boggling. 
and I'm enjoying it. I'm a kid. That's the whole goal is to be this kid out there looking at it. Cool. Very cool. So now, you know, look at that enough. The, the, uh, <laughs> the course one. Anyways, and you know what? I was fortunate enough several years ago to receive the Ormond Guild Chair. And it was the vote from people basically the year before. And this was the class that was there. So I credit it that a lot was the positiveness that came out of the thing. I wasn't thinking that. I was just thinking of being positive. So, Absolutely. And it has a wonderful place of honor. And I think of Armand when I'm there over in the center. So. Uh, okay, want the next one? Yes. Okay, the next one is a workshop. And that is great that it's all covered. I think that's wonderful. And this is course 12024. And this is going to be Friday at 2 o'clock. And this is called Soul Purpose Workshop. Now, again, we sort of mentioned earlier that people are they're either living in fear or love right now. <laughs> and they're either making decisions to change their lives or they're afraid of it. They don't know what to do and they're angry. So this is, a lot of it is for the people that are in, in hypnosis profession, which may have other professions going too, say, what does the heart say? How you feel that you're doing something right now that, that fulfills your heart and your soul's purpose, you know, with the idea that we're born with, with an opportunity for something to do. And so uh, looking at examining, and then how do you put together that concept? What I usually do is say, what are you going to do when you grow up? If there were no ifs, ands, or buts. And then somebody will say, well, I would love to do this, but oh, you just canceled that out. Take out anything and look at it. And so we take the idea that they want and then look at ways in their life that they can fulfill that in ways that they may not have even thought of. It's really manifesting it, huh? It is. I mean, it's all tied. These are all tied together. I call it a sort of metaphysical hypnosis because I deal a lot. If belief is so important, in other words, to go forward, believing in the purpose for what you're doing is a big thing. And the more you can keep the ego out of it with the sense of doing something that's positive. And I, I feel that we're a piece of a team. I know ever since my accident in 89, people that I've never met before that look at me will say, what's behind you? And I'm going, well, and they were talking about something about 15 feet tall. And I don't know, I haven't seen it, but enough people that saw it that didn't know each other are telling me they're seeing something. So I consider that I'm never alone. Neither are you. I mean, we're all... However you define it, there's always something there with us. Sure. you got some pretty good team players on the other side. I you, do. I don't. I do. I don't. <laughs> it comes to you in many different ways. Signs. Yeah, absolutely. I do a daily podcast, incidentally, which is, I've done 5,700 of them. Wow. And it all stemmed from the whole way back workshop I did with Mr. Jerry Levine. And when he did put one on down there in, uh, in uh, 2006. And so I, uh, but my podcast lasts for a minute and a half to two minutes. I take a photo in nature and it's neurolinguistics 
connecting nature with uh, with our lives. Oh, very cool! How they all run together. So, um, you know, that's the whole thing is what we do and acts of kindness and how they spread and grow. You know, it, it's to me, but I never know. I set my intention. I open my mouth, and whatever it comes, it's over. It's over. <laughs> Take all the things out as I hit it. Yep, yep, sure. Oh, wow. I do. and then I have another presentation which I'm involved with, and that is uh, with uh, with. Uh, let me get the right description here, and that one is with Rose. You know Rose? Yes. Yeah, Nevis Creek. Yeah, Rose is, she's the niece of a very, very famous world leader who got in trouble the last few years. But uh, I was fortunate enough, I gave a speech at the convention several years ago, one of these talks or workshop, and then I get a call from her about February. And I've been fortunate enough to be in at the beginning of her putting this together, which she's had since she was a kid. She's had that ability. so watching it open up and we have the most bound we have wonderful crowds we've been doing this for several years we do it's called hypnosis and and, and miracles the role of hypnosis and miracles in other words we back to law of attraction thought belief and so we work with that because she does a lot of uh, health wise you know that she's able to to do which is amazing to me how people do things and so we wind up usually doing an induction, a dual induction, and she might do it in Portuguese, and I'll do it in English. How's that for confusion? <laughs> but yes, if I, that's on Sunday. So that'll be good. So at any time around the convention, whether you come to something I do or not, catch me, just interrupt me if you got any questions. Or that's email me ahead of time. Oh, that's great, Mike. You know, we're really looking forward to it. Uh, every year, it's it's uh, like Dr. Damon has said in the past, it's, it's like a big family reunion. Um, you've been going to the NGH convention for many years as, as an uh, attendee at first and as a presenter thereafter. Um, what would you say to others? Uh, why, why should others attend the NGH convention? Well, not only is this the world's largest hypnosis organization, and it's run by professionals that know how to run the organization and the convention. And it's just the people are wonderful. I mean, there are so many wonderful people you meet that you make connections that last a lifetime. You have friendships that you keep in touch with. Plus, well, we'll say you learn something. Yes, you do. And you'll learn as you do pick and choose, and then you keep coming back, and there are presenters that you want to go see over and over again, no matter what they do. And then there are ones that you're looking at if you have a particular topic. There's a wealth of things going on at the same time. It's it's really uh, I it's hard to explain. But we haven't uh, we haven't missed one since ninety uh, one. So it's. Uh, it's pretty amazing. Watching you grow up has been the fun thing. I was going to say, we, we've known each other for many years, Mike, and uh, and I value our friendship. And, uh, you know, I look forward to seeing you every year at the at the annual convention. Thank you. Me too. It's really, really wonderful. 
And I, and I wanted to also thank you for taking your time today and uh, telling us in, in our in our members a little bit more about Mike Hathaway and and uh, how you got started in things. And, uh, you know, I, I know people who, who are interested in past life regression. Uh, you definitely want to check out Mike's uh, post-convention yeah. workshop at the convention. Uh, it, it, it is a wonderful course, and we always get rave reviews from the, from that course. And if you're on Facebook or whatever, uh, the podcast that I do every day is posted on Facebook. You look me up and send me a note or whatever, or you can find it. And uh, so that, uh, and if you ever get up in this area and you want to walk the trails, or feel some incredible energy. You're always welcome. We're a ski area in the wintertime, you know. It's called the Hypnosis Glade, and it's a backcountry. And there are four trails come down the mountain, and we're parking lots full in the wintertime. You know, the ski, we don't make money on it. If that's the point, the point is service. It's wonderful. Well, enjoy the beauty up there, and uh, we, we look forward to seeing you in August, Mike. Thank you so much for joining us today, and you have a wonderful day, my friend. Thank you for listening to the Hypnosis NGH podcast. You're welcome to share your ideas for future podcasts by emailing us, ngh_podcast at ngh.net.